Welcome to the Impro Pod podcast. My guest today is Jeff Bacon, all the way from Barcelona. How are you doing, Jeff? Good, thank you, Luke. Good. What is it you do if you could describe yourself a bit? Sure. I help business people to understand music and music people to understand business or to do better business. So I'm a business development specialist for the music industry and specifically music tech. And I, I try and help companies that have built something that can help independent creators or anyone in the independent music sector to have a better experience, consumers included, and try and connect those disparate worlds of, of kind of art and commerce where they should be connected. <laughs> Great. All right. So I'm, I'm going to play a piece of music and I want you to tell me what it makes you think of. So don't overanalyze it too much. Just like any kind of thoughts that come into your mind. All right. And it's, it's all completely improvised. So I haven't thought about it at all. So what do you think of that? Beautiful. It put me in mind of those long, epic intros to a classic jazz funk tune. Mm. Maybe like a mini Ripperton when she was doing stuff with the jazz band that had like kind of orchestral movements behind it as well. Or even an Isley Brothers track. Highways of My Life, for instance, starts just like that with the refrain and an opening elaborate intro. And then it kicks into the, the main groove. And mm. there was a point where you started doing that as I was thinking it as well. It was like a groove coming in. I could hear the beat about to drop. Yeah. Yeah. You're really into that sort of music, aren't you? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Big hip hop head and hip hop led me back to looking through inlay cards and trying to understand who who is Mitty Ripperton that's been sampled here, who is George Clinton, who is Lou Donaldson. And yeah, that kind of stuff especially does it for me, that kind of 70s jazz funk soul with orchestration, Curtis Mayfield and Isaac Hayes, all that kind of thing. So you are for telling me a story of some kind? Yeah. I've worn many different hats in music. And one thing I did in my mid to late 20s was try and get some work experience in music. One of the things that came my way was working as day-to-day -day manager of a band called the Alabama Three. That is the band that did Woke Up This Morning, the theme song to The Sopranos, which was sampled by Nas for Got Yourself a Gun and Super interesting bunch of cats, maybe 10 people in the band at any one time. And they would describe themselves, for people who aren't familiar, as Acid House Country and Western Blues Band, basically. <laughs> so before Avicii had ever had the idea of mixing those genres, you had yeah. these guys who dressed and looked like a country and Western band, but their music is like 90s electronic music with blues guitars and harmonica and all that over the top. As part of my job, I would be 
trying to find opportunities for them for press, that kind of thing. And they based out of a venue in Brixton in London called Jam, shout out to the, the Brixton Jam crew, where they have studios and it's where the band would convene before a tour started and rehearse and all that kind of stuff. And there was a, a band playing there one night, very much cut from the same cloth as the Alabama Three. And I got talking to, I think it was their drummer, who actually revealed, yeah, we're very much inspired by them. We love Americana, but we're also with Brits and we love electronic music. So we, we're doing our own spin on that. And in fact, this guy was a producer at BBC Radio and he would love to have the band come on the show. Okay, great. Let's make that happen. So after months of back and forth, I eventually arranged for the the acoustic version of the band. They'd play as a four-piece and they would go in and be interviewed and play a live session on BBC Radio 6. Great. You know, exactly what you want to be doing for a band you're working with and for the people paying me. It's good for them to see me making stuff like that happen. The day before, I was speaking with the radio producer in question. He basically said, the DJ whose show it is you're going to, Larry Lamb, who was a former model turned TV presenter, radio host, like pretty big deal in the UK in, in that context, quite famous. So apparently this guy really doesn't like the Alabama Three. And I don't have much more information to go on other than that. I don't know if he has a vitriolic, proactive hatred of the band or, or whatever. I had no idea the scale of his dislike or anything. I just knew that apparently he's not a fan of the band. So now I have to pass this information on to the band, or do I? I spent like 48 hours thinking about who do I tell in the band? And do I tell them? How do I manage this? In the sleepless night I was having in the run-up to this day happening, it occurred to me, wait a minute. Basically, Larry Lamb, his father, is a guy called George Lamb. And George Lamb, at the time, was appearing on EastEnders, the British soap opera. But George Lamb had also previously done many fine films and TV shows. And one of them was a film in the 80s called Buster, which starred Phil Collins and was about the great train robbery. George Lamb, the DJ's father, played one of the main characters, Bruce Reynolds, one of the great train robbers. Now, I mentioned earlier that one of the foursome, the Alabama Three acoustic setup, was a guy called Nick. Uh, and his name was Nick Reynolds. So this little nugget of information drops in the middle of the night while I can't sleep and I'm thinking about how do I fix this situation. So we're in the cab on the way to BBC Radio House and I say, guys, something I need to tell you. We're going to meet Larry Land. I've seen him off the telly. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Apparently he's not really a fan of your band. Cue lots of histrionics and, oh, geez, this guy, what kind of manager are you? The kerfuffle and the furore dies down a bit. And then I point out, but Nick, am I not right in thinking that this guy played your dad in the, the movie Buster? And Nick's eyes lit up and he went, oh, wait a minute, little Georgie? Are we going to meet little Georgie? I used to babysit for this guy when he was a kid. Oh, really? Well, that puts a different complexion on things. Long story short, we get to the radio studio. Larry is padding around barefoot, greeting people, and he's professional and civil and hi everyone and you wouldn't necessarily know he's not a fan of the band or doesn't like these guys for whatever reason whatever it might be but at the very earliest opportunity I went and Larry this is Nick I do believe your father played his father in the film Buster and George's face cracked all of a sudden 
he realized he was looking at his, you know, babysitter from 25 years earlier. And it was all hugs and, oh, gee, I didn't know you were in this band. And all of a sudden, the complexion of the whole interview changed and they did a great session. The magic of the music industry and, and what a small world we all live in. Mm. And the unexpected connections as well. Yeah. yeah. How would you describe their music? So Alabama 3, you said that it's quite a, a mix of genres, right? Yeah, the song they're most famous for, the Woke Up This Morning, Got Yourself A Gun, mm. is a perfect example. It's like a throbbing house bass line, but with gospel vocals, a lead singer who's hugely influenced by Johnny Cash and an artist of that ilk. He's a Welshman, but when he sings, he could be from Memphis. Deep, mm. gravelly voice, very soulful music, very message-driven, very socio-political in their, their leanings and their lyrics. I'm going to try and get a flavour of that sound, and I'm just literally just pulling this out of the air, right? And then I'm going to go for, they realise this guy doesn't like them, and then this unexpected connection kind of thing. Musically, I can't really be more specific than that. Yeah, it's tricky, actually. Got the kind of jazzy but slightly Western uh, opening gambit to that. I have a bit of a background in sync as well. You develop a habit of putting pictures to music in your head and replaying the, the whole scenario as you were playing that. It, it was very evocative, a sense of foreboding. Because even when I'd made this connection for the band and they felt better about it, we could have walked in there and this guy had gone, oh, yeah, my dad played your dad. He thought he was an idiot or whatever. As it stands, the great train robbers for better or for worse, are viewed as a kind of like Robin Hood in his, they're like folk heroes. And luckily that translated. Yeah, the sense of foreboding you develop there into the realization that, hey, we're all friends here and actually we're going to have a great time for the next couple of hours. Uh, I think you captured that well. I find it's hard to, if when you have a certain genre in mind, especially a kind of bluesy, slight hint of Americana, that to be able to develop it in terms of the narrative of the story. Yeah, what, what bluesy and Americana means. Billy Bragg said Americana is what middle-class people call uh, country and western. I've always found quite amusing. I think you had a bit of 
New Orleans flavor I heard in there, whereas I would say Alabama 3 are more kind of Appalachian, a little bit more cowboy vibe. Honky Tonk Piano. A little more like that. Yeah, and imagine that with some thumping acid techno bass line. So you up for telling another story then? I was thinking back to my first band's first gig in London. We were called Rio Tinto Bon Tempo, which we both got better at coming up with names for things since then. It was a five, six piece jazz funk hip hop band and very kind of acid jazz type jazz funk. So slap bass and a guy playing a Hammond organ in a very kind of um, Jimmy Smith, Jimmy McGriff type way, quite kind of jaunty 90s hip hop vibe. And just me rapping on my own. We were up against a band called Mind the Jap in the final, who were a Japanese punk band, who were amazing. And then another band from Reading, whose name escapes me, who were actually already signed to an indie label. And my band, Rio Tinto Bon Tempo, we won the competition. One of the best moments of my life, local hero status. We won some money. We won recording time in a proper studio in Reading, which was owned by the bassist from Mongo Jerry. We got a gig at the Jazz Cafe in Camden. Drove down to London from Reading. You've got a, a map and your mates reading the map from the passenger seat. I had what at the time was an 18-year-old Vauxhall Astra estate that overheat quite often and would just blow up for random reasons. So it took us all day to get to the Jazz Cafe, but we got there in time. It was our pseudo-manager who had booked this for us. We turn up at the Jazz Cafe, pull up outside, start unloading our gear, start walking into the venue. And I think it's around this time I noticed that there's a blackboard outside with the band names on it and our band name isn't on there. <laughs> and the guys that have just walked some gear in have just come out with a confused look on their face like, yeah, these guys don't know we're coming. Oh, what? We went and got a copy of Time Out because we knew we were listed in Time Out. We had to go into the venue, find the promoter and show him the Time Out listing to prove that we were meant to be there on that evening. Because they weren't expecting us, they hadn't accounted for us to have a sound check and there was no agreement with changing one band between the other. Can I use your kick and your snare or can I use, we just use my breakables as a drummer. So we had to make all of those agreements. Anyway, we played the gig. We didn't embarrass ourselves, but it was a chastening experience because, and I figure every artist goes through this in my head, I'm visualizing and trying to manifest I guess this idea, I'm gonna walk out on stage, the crowd's gonna go nuts, they're gonna love the first song, we're gonna play that new song. And quite often it doesn't go like that. You turn <laughs> up, the promoter doesn't know you're coming, only five people have come, your name is wrong on the Ticketmaster tickets, your name is wrong on the marquee. You've got two mics, but only one of them works, and the DJ's forgotten the needles for his, uh, for his Vestax. All of that stuff is part and parcel of it. And it's partly why I think I'm able to to relate to artists and, and create music creators when I'm working on the, the industry side. Most of us on the industry side have been artists at one time or another, but I think a lot of people really forget the realities of that sometimes. It's like Blues Brothers situation then. <laughs> it was. It had that vibe to it, which also you get a kick out of. You feel like you're in a real band when stuff like that happens. So your kind of sound, you said like keyboard player had a Jimmy Smith yeah, like Jimmy Smith, Jimmy McGriff, funky chords, super funky jazzy keys were, were definitely core to what we were doing. 
Okay, so then you've got the recorder session and then the journey. I might make a bit of a thing about that. This car that's overheating. And then the venue, the confusion, but it was all right in the end. definitely captured the kind of the Rio Tinto Bon Tempo vibe oh, with the, the opening bars there when there was a kind of discordant breakdown which for me felt like the the reality check of I'm not headlining the jazz cafe to adoring fans I, <laughs> yeah. I'm an annoyance that yeah. the promoter didn't expect to have tonight but we can bring it back around and enjoy ourselves so what did you get out of this podcast it's always nice to chat to you, Luke, obviously. And I love improvisation in music generally. Making music a unique experience for a listener every time is such a cool thing. As somebody who's identifies as a kind of hip hop vocalist, but isn't much of a freestyler, just hearing you interpret and play has been fantastic. And also as an exercise in thinking about syncing music and visuals slash stories slash emotions and feelings i think that's just really good to make your brain do those exercises especially in my line of work cheers jeff thanks so much for being on the podcast it's been very insightful thanks for having me join us next week for another episode of impropod thanks for listening